All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. A lot to talk about today. I've been doing my research on Memphis. We're going to talk a lot about that. Of course, uh, we're also going to preview the SEC weekend because you have a couple of SEC teams in action on Thursday. So we're going to go ahead and get that out of the way today, and we'll kind of recap that on Friday and kind of look ahead to the season opener. How about that? I'm so excited for you guys to be here, too. I mean, a lot's changed on campus. You know, let me go ahead and prepare you, too. There are going to be some changes, okay? Leave early. Be patient. Wives, listen to me. Listen to me. I am depending on you is your good friend and host. And you know that I love you. If nobody else has told you today, you're an absolutely beautiful princess of a woman. Make sure that your husband leaves early. No matter what he says, no matter what he, you know, I understand, I'm not going to listen to that long-haired, tattooed freak. No, wives, listen to me. There have been a few changes around campus. There's been some construction. So maybe, you know, a lot of things, maybe you're, you're somewhat familiar with have changed the last thing we want is anybody getting salty on game day leave early spend more time in stark we'll get up here get your tailgate set up whatever go spend some money and get ready for a great game but wives listen to me you're you know your husband doesn't know better than me you know this right you, you know this right out of the gate leave early 
Also of note, these event management people are nice people doing the best they can. Many of them don't know their way around campus. They're just there to kind of assist you with where they're positioned. Please be patient with those folks. Please, right? Please just be patient with them. Because if you're in the wrong lot, they're not going to know where the other lot is. I'm just telling you. So get on hellstate.com, do a little research, be prepared, make sure you know where you're going. Nothing's worse than to the people behind you than you to show up and be, you know, unaware of where you're supposed to be. And you're dependent on somebody that doesn't know where you're supposed to be to tell you how to get there. So relax, leave early, let's have a great day together. Speaking of great days, we're going to have a great one September 30th. Man, we're 30 days away from the show, man. It's all coming together quickly. Matter of fact, uh, if you are in the Starkville area next week, you'll start seeing some digital billboards promoting the show. If you live in the Golden Triangle, you'll soon be listening to radio ads on 99 The Fox, North Mississippi's rock station. We're promoting the show, man. We're serious about the show. This isn't some deal where we're just going to go, like, pay a few bucks and then, you know, hope for the best. We're getting out of here. We're doing things right. If I'm going to attach my name to something, it's going to be done right. And so working through some things has taken up a lot of my time. not going to lie about it. And, uh, you know, the good thing is we're kind of finally starting getting to the end of it. You know, now I'm kind of worried a little about PA. So I'm working with Lillian Axe, the sound people, talking to some local people. If we need to bring in some stuff, we're going to bring in some stuff. We're going to make sure it's a great event. You can find tickets at eventbrite.com. That's eventbrite.com. And it's on all my social media stuff. So if I've tweeted it out. I'm probably spamming my followers to the point that they're like, Steve, come on, dude, really? Well, you know what? Buy some tickets, okay? Buy some tickets because once we sell out, we'll stop promoting the event. And uh, I would say we're over a third of the way towards a sellout. We had a really good start. Still got a ways to go, of course. But, uh, you know, we feel like once all this promotion starts and we get a little bit closer to the show, we are going to sell out. Now, if you're interested in maybe supporting the event, but maybe you don't want to attend or you can't attend, you can buy some tickets and you can email them to me and I will make sure they get in the hands of some Mississippi State students that perhaps can't afford a ticket because this is about re-energizing the uh, rock scene in Mississippi, but also raising money for a great cause, which is the Bulldog Initiative. So we're getting some really cool things together. It has been a lot of work. I will admit to you, while I have, I feel like I have been especially efficient with all of this, getting things done, it's been a lot of work. It has been. Now, today's a productive day. We're going we're gonna to get some things off the plate today, and then basically all we're going to have to deal with here in the next couple of days is just kind of making sure we've got, we're going to have to bring in some auxiliary PA to kind of supplement what Hobie's has. And so I say that if you've been to a show at Hobie's, this is going to be much louder. The sound is going to be more dynamic and probably a lot fuller. So we're getting all that taken care of. Uh, so I thank so many of you that have been so uh, supportive of this event. You guys are awesome. And uh, maybe I don't say it enough, but I love you all. And even if you're not a rock fan, you're a Bulldog fan. So you're part of my family. That's the way I see it. And uh, if you believe in me, if you believe in rock and roll, you believe in Mississippi State, you need to support this event. And if that means buying some tickets and uh, donating them, then that's what you can do. That, that's your way that you can help. I, I've had a lot of people that have reached out and said, hey, Steve, I, you know, not really a rock guy, but uh, I believe in what you're doing and I want to support you. And I, I am so incredibly appreciative of that. And so 
that's how you can get involved. Buy tickets, and they will be sent to your email, and you can forward them to me at srobertson at jeanspage.com. How easy is that? If you get lost, you forget my email address, you can DM me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever, and uh, I'll give you the email address. Let me thank real quickly uh, our sponsors that are helping the event come through. Come, come true. It's Big River Rental of Canton, Mississippi, Voller Law Firm of Starkville, Campus Bookmark, Discount Building Materials of Starkville, Harvey's Portico, Resilient Life Counseling, Security Technology Supply, Soul Recovery, The Bellsmith, and William, tire, William Wells Tire and Auto. How about that? So give those people your business because they're doing what they can to help me put on a killer rock show in Starkville as we get ready to make Mississippi rock again and then raise some money for your student athletes, right? What could be better? And I've got some incentives, too, to help you guys buy some, uh, buy some merch when you come to the show. I'm excited about it. I'm going to emcee the event. I've got some other things that we're doing that night that maybe you're not expecting that are going to be awfully, awfully cool. And uh, matter of fact, I spoke to Stevie Blaze Saturday. He was over in London, and he was telling me how excited he is about the show. At one time, Stevie lived here in Starkville. His wife, of course, is from Noxipater. Her family's there in Winston County. So Starkville is a special place to him. And if you guys are unfamiliar with Lillian Axe, too, they were originally based out of New Orleans. And in some respects, kind of a small fish in a big music pond. And then things begin to take off. And they eventually, you know, Steve relocated to uh, Mississippi. And while they claim New Orleans is their home, we claimed them as our own because uh, we all snuck into the Town Creek Saloon with our fake IDs and, and went and enjoyed a killer rock show. So we're going to bring that back also with two young up-and-coming bands in Mississippi. If you haven't heard them, you should. I'm going to go see Four-Way Stop Friday. I'm going to head down to Vicksburg and go see those guys play Friday. It won't be a major show. They're playing the casino there, kind of providing some background music. I'm going to go check those guys out, uh, meet the rest of the band, and then Twist is going to be playing after the Memphis game at Two Brothers. So you got a chance to go see both of those bands. If you're unfamiliar with them, uh, go check them out. You can actually, and let me give a little plug here to Four Way Stop. You can find Four Way Stop on iTunes. And uh, they've got an original song on there called Wicked Woman. Now they got some covers on there as well, but you can find Wicked Woman. Uh, kind of a southern rock type deal. And Twist is completely different. They don't have any music released yet. It is currently being engineered and mastered. And then they'll be available. And so probably by the time that we get ready for the show, you'll be able to download that music off iTunes. And uh, be able to check them out. And Lillian Axe, of course, uh, dropped a brand new album about two weeks ago from Wound the Tomb. I've listened to that thing over and over again. And uh, the first album with Brent Graham as the singer, beginning to develop some favorites. But I, I think... The Golden Dragon is probably my favorite song on the new album. And it's a much different album, right? They're, they're kind of doing maybe a concept album. And uh, I like it. Feelings of Absinthe is probably the next single. So, so go check those guys out. But more importantly, come and chill with us at Rock Vegas, September 30th. Hobie's on Main. Again, tickets on sale now. Be sure and check that out. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company more than a friend. I love them. I absolutely love them. I would hold their hands right now if they were near me because I want them to know that I love them. You will love them too. There's some restaurants you go and you just have a meal. With Bulldog Burger Company, you have a relationship, man. You can count and depend on them. When other people or other you know situations in life are being unfaithful, you're going to get consistency from Bulldog Burger Company, right? You can go there and Bulldog Burger Company is going to come through every single time. 
Great people doing a great job at a great price. Great portions, great locations. Three of them now to choose from. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Come check out the new patio area when you're in town this weekend. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo and the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the original Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. You'll be glad you did. Have the chocolate shake to go. You owe it to yourself, right? And maybe you don't feel like a hamburger. You should. You're going to Bulldog Burger Company, right? You're going there to eat. I would encourage you to get the Bulldog if you're just starting out and then maybe kind of broaden your horizons and then the visits to come. But I've been kind of had a hankering for that uh, BLT salad, the grilled version with ranch because I'm from South Mississippi, right? So go by and check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little bit about Memphis. Uh, they've done some media opportunities uh, since we've spoken. Uh, Ryan Silverfield, I transcribed everything he had to say about Mississippi State yesterday. Made that a free article over at jeanspage.com. You guys like those articles. You read those a lot. I think everybody likes to know, hey, what are they saying about us? Maybe that's just kind of how life works. And we'll see. But uh, let's get into some of that. And Coach Silverfield mentioned Will Rogers and Emmanuel Forbes by name. You know, very impressed with Will Rogers. Talks about what a great fit he is in the Mike Leach offense. Uh, and, and a lot of that may be coach speak, but there is some truth to every bit of that too, right? I think we all realize that. I mean, you know, Will Rogers has become a very prolific quarterback. And so here's the deal. Uh, people are well aware of the fact that Will Rogers is going to know where to go with the football. And Silverfield kind of spoke about that uh, at length. Big fan of uh, Will Rogers. Of course, they like their quarterbacks. I think an awful lot, too. So, could be a, a battle of quarterbacks. And if that's the case, I'll take ours. One of the things I wanted to share with you guys, too, is about cowbells. Everybody talks about cowbells. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Everybody whines and cries. and You know, oh, my gosh, they got the cowbells. You know, the one, the one way to stop the cowbells is, like, to win. Right? We don't get loud when we're losing. But when we're winning and we got you on the ropes, we're going to get awfully loud. So here's what Silverfield had to say about the cowbells. And I quote, we just have to listen to the cowbells for about five more days. That's about the only difference. Our guys will be dialed in and focused. There are some distractions as you go on the road, whether it's staying in a hotel or getting on a bus to make that trip. We know what kind of atmosphere is going to be down there in Starkville. That's the nature of it. But we welcome the challenge of it. That's part of college football. The bigger and better the environment, the more exciting it is. I agree, Coach. I expect our guys to take that bull by the horns and be excited about it. The loudest environment I've ever been involved with as a coach was in the NFC Championship in the Superdome against the Saints. It was deafening. We had Brett Favre then. It was a game that went to overtime, five turnovers. They also um, got in trouble for Bounty Gate. That was one of those games that led to it. We, used, we actually practiced with headphones just to try to block out the noise. I'm sure that's going to be a very similar environment, speaking of Mississippi State. They do a great job. They have a great fan base. Those cowbells. I'm not going to use the word annoyance. I will leave that up to you. But they've done a heck of a job creating an environment there. I think our guys are excited about it. They know what's at stake. We've been practicing in it. Hopefully, we handle it flawlessly and not let it be an issue. i go back and proof my article. Uh, but here's the deal with that. Yeah, I spoke to uh, Buki Watson last night. Buki Watson, Mississippi State's middle linebacker. And uh, I guess it was Theo DeRosa from the Columbus Dispatch that asked him, hey, can, can you really prepare for the cowbells? And he's like, no, you can't. You simply can't. And that's what we hear all the time. 
you know, it's kind of like you know, one of those deals where you, know, you can't simulate opponent speed or intensity in practice. And that's just the reality of life. You can't simulate the cowbells. Now, you can do your best. I mean, you can get out there and hook the speakers up, and you can play Metallica or Avenged Sevenfold or something and uh, work on your communication, you know, your silent cadence and things like that. But when the Mississippi State fan base realizes you're on the ropes and there's a big play coming, that cacophony of sound will swallow you alive. I think it's an important thing to understand. You don't understand the emotion of the cowbell. You, you can handle the racket, maybe. But what about out there when you go out there and you drop a pass and all of a sudden there's 55,000 cowbells letting you know about it? You know, I don't care who you are or where you're from. There is an emotional penalty for being an opponent coming to Davis Wade Stadium. And a big part of that is, is the cowbells. Now, I'll say this. We want to ring responsibly. We do. Some of you should probably take some time each day to practice ringing responsibly. But I commend our fan base. You know, we can't ring the bell when the center is over the ball. And there are very few instances where that happens. Our fan base done a great job with that. I spoke to a former Mississippi State coach a couple years ago that took a job with another SEC school. And one of the things that he mentioned that he never thought about when he was on the Mississippi State staff is how it's a bigger distraction when the bells stop ringing. Like they're ringing, 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 and then we stop, and then everybody stops ringing and starts yelling. He said, that is an incredible distraction. He goes, because like in your mind, you're thinking, okay, 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 we're dealing with all this racket. Well, now the racket changes. And he goes, and all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's almost confusing. And so I think that's something, too, maybe an unintended consequence, you know, of the cowbell compromise, is that we're actually making it more of a distraction by not ringing when it centers over the ball. It's crazy. Well, yeah, you know, when you go down to Tiger Stadium, they don't ever put up a shh sign, you know, hands down, none of that, right? A lot bigger stadium, a lot bigger fan base. It gets really loud up there. You know, our people don't like, our opponents don't like the cowbell, which is all the more reason to use it. Uh, but I do think it provides a competitive advantage. But uh, not the way that I think some people, you know, if you go read other message boards, they say we ring them all the time, and we don't. We don't. We've been very good with that. And uh, I guess we've only been fined, what, one time since the cowbell compromise. They should never find us anyway. It's a football game, right? Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? There been times in the past I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee. It's been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. And then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. 
Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. So they've done some other media stuff too. And I, I want to share, uh, Tim Cramsey is the new offensive coordinator at Memphis. Uh, to give you a little bit of his background, let's, uh, let's get over here to the, uh, the trusty tab on the computer. So Tim Cramsey is an Allentown, Pennsylvania native. He's younger than me, which is always interesting. I'm at that age, you know, where the, uh, you know, the, the coaches and coordinators now are younger than me. I'm from the 1900s. That is to be expected. He played at the University of New Hampshire as a quarterback and as a long snapper. What a combination there. Eventually went back to coach in the high school ranks once his playing career was done. Worked his way up to coach at his alma mater. Was a tight ends and fullback coach from 2003 to 05. Eventually elevated to running backs coach. Took over the quarterbacks in 08 and then named the offensive coordinator from 2009 to 2011. He left there, went to FIU for a year as the OC and quarterback coach. 2013, he was hired at Montana State a long way from home. Also the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Stayed there through the 2015 season and was at Nevada for a year as the OC and quarterback coach. And in 17, Sam Houston State, he's the OC and quarterback coach. And then Charles Huff gets a job, former Mississippi State assistant coach Charles Huff, gets a head coaching job at Marshall back in 18, and he hired him. And now this is his first year at the University of Memphis. So let's kind of look at what he did uh, last year. Now, one thing that's interesting is he did say, you know, people ask him, what do you like to run on offense? He goes, well, it depends on what a team has. Kind of want to tailor the offense around the, the skill set of the available players. I commend that. You know, sometimes you have to be true to yourself, and every year you're making some adjustments to your foundational standards. But uh, Marshall last year, 7-6 uh, and six record overall, 5-3 and three within their league, scored 33 points as a team. They uh, ran for 2,320 yards, which is interesting. I guess, after, I guess the net there is 2,109. So 162 yards per game. Not balanced but running enough to make it interesting. Uh, they threw for 3,830 yards, just under 300 yards a game. So basically two passes for one run. Will we see some of that at Memphis? I suspect, you know, at this point in guys' career, they kind of are who they are. You don't see a lot of innovation in that respect. You may change some plays or some route trees, but when it comes to play calling, people's tendencies ra rarely change. Now, Memphis probably has a little bit better running back room than Marshall did. So we might see a little more run. One of the things I thought was interesting that uh, Coach Cramsey said in his press conference is that, hey, we want to get four yards on first down, four yards on second down, getting a third and manageable or third and short. So Dinkin, Duncan, swing passes, bubble screens, things like that, probably similar to what they're going to see a lot of us from, right? But he talks about staying on schedule, and that's become you know kind of a catchphrase for coaches these days. But – 
they're not looking for the big play per se. They're trying to kind of methodically move the ball down the field. That appears to be his philosophy, and it's a good one. When you can consistently do it, you can win a lot of games, eat up a lot of clock, put your team in the end zone, kind of control the flow of the game. Very interesting. Now, McKaywin Pounders, former Mississippi State commitment, McKaywin Pounders, has now been named the starting left tackle at Memphis. Interesting, to say the least. Now, you may be somewhat unfamiliar with the McKaywin Pounders story. Now, first of all, I'll tell you, I am a McKaywin Pounders fan. I am. And, and I heard from the very beginning he was going to commit to Mississippi State. He did. Things were great. And then some folks in Ole Miss started playing around, basically manipulated the kid. I don't care your version of events, Ole Miss people. You can clip this, share it on social media. I don't care. You did a disservice to this young man. You absolutely did. To get at Mississippi State, you play with a kid, and maybe things work out better for him at Memphis. Maybe they do. But you cost him a chance to play in a Southeastern Conference. You did. So he flips to Ole Miss, and then shortly before signing day, McKellen Pounder shows up at the field house and asks, hey, coach, do you have my letter of intent? No, I don't have it. You don't have it? No, I don't have it. Coaches get on the phone, call up there and say, hey, uh, we're not going to sign him. And basically we tried to, to you know, say, well, we, uh, we didn't really recruit him. We didn't try to flip him other than the, the text messages, right? So – McKaywin Pounders made a bad decision and was manipulated by some people that are enemies of Mississippi State. He wanted to come back and recommit to Mississippi State. That ship had sailed. At that point, Mississippi State was closing in on signing Cannon Boone. And so Mississippi State moved on. Now, some would argue, it's like, hey, Mississippi State should take him back. I don't know. There was a part of me back then, I said, you know what, we got a chance to be the hero here. Ole Miss is getting this PR explosion, and you can see it didn't change anything, right? We always talk about that. Well, it's going to hurt them. Now, well, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. People are, people are prisoners of the moment, right? So, McKaylin Pounders was interested in coming back. Mississippi State did not reciprocate that interest. I thought State, again, could have been the PR hero here. And now you look at him and, hey, the guy's going to be a Division I starting left tackle. And you look at some of the issues we have had at tackle, it would have been nice to have him, right? But it's going to be an emotional game. I'm sure McKaylin Pounders, I mean, you know, hey, he envisioned himself coming and playing at Mississippi State. He's going to take that field, playing against Mississippi State. The cowbells will ring against him. He's going to play against some of his friends. It's going to be an emotional undertaking. Number one, you're starting at left tackle against an SEC team. You're going to be pairing up with Jordan Davis and DeMonte Russell. That is a long day in and of itself. But you're coming back home, and, and I'm sure there's a part of him, whether he will admit it or not, and it's really not our business, but uh, those feelings of what might have been. You know, if I'd stuck here, maybe I'd be playing in the SEC. But you know what? I wish the kid the best. I do. I like the young man. I do. I think it was very unfortunate the way all that was handled. You know, he's a young person. I think the adults should have been adults. And the people say, well, you know, Steve, you know, decisions have consequences. I absolutely agree with that. And he learned a tough lesson about life. I just don't like the fact that he was manipulated and then ultimately, uh, you know, had to go outside of the conference. But you know what? He, the good thing is, is he did have an opportunity reasonably close to home 
And uh, I hope he makes the best of it. I do. I, ho- I hope he has an all-conference career. I hope he has a tough day on Saturday. But I hope he has a great season and a great career at Memphis. I do. Uh, I don't harbor any ill will in my heart towards McKaylin Pounders. I-, I don't. It wasn't handled well. And this is a young man that I think got caught up in this uh, shell game of PR that our arch rivals sometimes use. But, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. How will he handle the emotional component of this game? Against the defense, is going to throw things at him he's never seen before. That's kind of the reality of life, right? I, mean, I think the guy's going to be a good player, for sure. But he's in for a tough day Saturday. No matter how it comes out, he's in for a tough day. Now, another thing that uh, Coach Cramsey mentioned is uh, the tight ends. He mentioned specifically that he likes the tight ends at Memphis. So what that tells me is they're going to utilize the tight end some to kind of slow down the pass rush. Maybe, you know, show a block, slip out the pass pattern, kind of put the linebacker in conflict, and maybe run that five-yard tight end out that's become so in vogue uh, since the advent of the forward pass. So look for them to utilize their backs and their tight ends kind of in the short to intermediate passing game to kind of loosen some things up. Because we're going to get after you. We're going to bring a lot of heat. They're going to make a huge decision to try to get the ball out. Now, that's the thing, too. we got to put them in third and long. You know, we can't let them just sit out there and pitch and catch all day and work the perimeter and work that little five-yard dig and that sort of stuff. We've got to make them get in third long to give our pass rush a chance to get there. Uh, now, this Memphis running back core, I think, is going to be really good within their league. I think they have a tough assignment playing against us. But the reality of it is these guys are pretty good. They're pretty good. They're going to try to run the football to kind of establish things. And uh, I, I think one of the most important things about this game for Mississippi State is we have got to get out early. Get out early and kind of get them off their game plan a little bit. You know, all of a sudden, if you're able to get some separation that first half, and all of a sudden you get a stop at third quarter, you have a chance, as Mississippi State did last year, to kind of deliver a knockout blow. We didn't do that last year and ultimately lost the game. But we've got to get off to a good start. I mean, how many times last year did you know, we have a scoreless first quarter? I mean, it seemed to be kind of just par for the course that we're going to be down 10 nothing after one and chasing the game. I think in order for Mississippi State to show some maturation and kind of move forward here, we got to make sure that we're getting off to good starts. The evolution of this offense would suggest we should be able to score more in the first quarter. And that was a, that was a big issue last year for us. And I've got a little more on that, but before we move on to that, one of the things Cramsey said too was he spoke very complimentary about Mississippi State's defense. He talks about how big and physical we are up front, and how our linebackers are very athletic, and he thinks we've improved on the back end. He goes, they're what you want a defense to be on your team. And so, again, you know, we have seen him in practice, and, of course, they're practicing against Mississippi State, right? I mean, so it's tough to really form a strong opinion. But the athleticism in that secondary this year is better than it was last year, especially at the safety position. So we're starting to kind of hear some of that. And listen, I get it. Coaches are not going to give any bold, bold material. I think you're going to consistently hear people talk about Mississippi State's defense. Now, if we can pair up a good defense with a great offense, we really got something here this year. And, and, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this defense because I think we're going to be able to cover on the back end. I think we're going to be able to get to the quarterback a little more. 
But let's real quickly look. We talked about, you know, last year, you know, first quarter scoring. Okay, so Mississippi State wins game one, 35-34. Well, we won the first quarter 14-7 and then gave up 24 straight and had to score 21 in the fourth and uh, at the time the biggest comeback in school history. But, again, you win the first quarter, you win the game. All right, let's look at the NC State game. Again, State wins the first quarter 7 nothing. We won the game. Now you're 2-0 when you score first, right? The University of Memphis, uh uh-oh, what do you know? We didn't score first, and we lost the first quarter, 7-3. And guess what? We lost the game. You look at LSU, ah, what do you know? LSU wins the first quarter, 7-0. We lose 28-25. You're two and two, but again, it's four and it's you're four and zero, oh, right? When you begin to look at our our point here, our point is when we win the first quarter, we generally win. We go on the road and play Texas A and M, and guess what, folks? We won the first quarter, ten to seven, and we won the game. So now we're five for five, right? We're about to be six for six because Alabama won the first quarter, fourteen to three, and the only blowout of the year for Mississippi State. Mississippi State takes a 10-0 lead into the second quarter against Vanderbilt, and guess what? We won the game. We won the game. Now, here is uh, the first anomaly to our theory. Kentucky wins, gets ahead 7-0. They win the first quarter, and State, of course, dominated the middle portions of this game, and we won. So it's the first time that a game that the winner of the first quarter didn't ultimately win the game. Then we go play Arkansas, and guess what? We're down 10 nothing. We get down 10 nothing in the first quarter, and you know what? We lost the game. Auburn, another anomaly here. They get up 14-3, as you would expect, and we come back and win the game 43-34. Of course, Mississippi State dominates that second half, outscoring them 33-6. Tennessee State, we get up 21-0. Of course, we win the game. Egg Bowl, 6-3. We have the lead. So you see my point here, and you can even look at Texas Tech to it too, 10 nothing. So that's a pretty good sample size. When we win the first quarter, we generally win the game. When we are ahead by two or more scores, we generally win the game. And so it's extremely important for us to get out of the gate, kind of control our emotions a little bit, not doing things silly, because that's kind of one of the things that happened last year, too. We came out pressing a little bit, and we have a turnover. Um, I go back to that Memphis game last year, and, and I've mentioned that Woody Marks fumble several times. I am in no way being critical of Woody Marks, right? Now, he'll tell you he should have hung over the football. The only fumble he had the entire year, and it just happened to be a very significant one, and we're rolling right there. And even when they scored, we thought, ah, we're okay. Little did we know what was to come. But, again, you give up two – non-offensive touchdowns in that game, and you lose. you got to make the offense make plays, and I think you've got to put pressure on them by forcing them to kind of match you. You hit the ground running, and it's so much easier to play defense when you're ahead. You can be aggressive because the worst things that happen, they, they tie you, right? So you can kind of pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. So if State can get ahead a couple scores in this first half, I think there's a good chance that your defense – can really begin to exert itself. And I can tell you, Zach Arnett has been like a mad scientist in practice so much to the point that offensive coaches, uh, you know, they've had some things to say in the spirit of competition, right? I mean, it's not mean spirit or anything, but, you know, it's like, oh, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, we'll figure it out. So I think what Zach Arnett has done 
not only has he inspired his group, I think he has actually forced this offensive line and the, and the pass protection uh, component of this offense to have to improve just because of the fact of the looks that they see in practice. They're not going to see much of that. Now, Memphis is uh, moving to a four-man front, which will be interesting, right? Matt Barnes, of course, was uh, defensive coordinator last year. He's a guy, too, got some extensive experience. You know, began coaching at Delaware Valley University. I don't know if you've heard of that. Then he was at Western Virginia Wesleyan. Finds his way onto the staff at the University of Florida. Uh, worked there as a graduate assistant, becomes a defensive analyst at Michigan, special teams coordinator and linebackers coach at the University of Maryland. And then he goes to Ohio State where he is a special teams coordinator, assistant defensive backs coach uh, there for a couple years too. Now he is a defensive coordinator at Memphis. So while he has worked at some pedigree programs, he's not had a lot of play calling responsibilities. And so, um, you know, Memphis defensively last year, 98th in the country. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. And so the thing that I think about is, even though this is a very competitive team last year, we talked about that earlier in the week, the, the only time they really got blown out was Houston, and that was, what, a 31-13 game. Most games were within one score. But you've got changes in philosophy and personnel of a major variety on both sides of the football. So it's a tough first game anyway. You're going on the road into an SEC environment for a fan base that is hungry to win that the cowbells will be clanging. That's a tough deal. And so we have to take full advantage of that. I think Mississippi State really has every advantage right here. It's just going to be, can Mississippi State play within itself? Can Mississippi State play the game uh, the way they should? All right, time for today's top ten list. Uh, spoke with Blair Chandler yesterday. You can visit him at closewithblair.com. Love Blair to death. And so what's interesting, I won't break anybody's anonymity here, but I got a call yesterday. Uh, from a friend. I never talked to this guy before. He's a Boneyard listener. And he had a friend that had used another lender. They were trying to buy a house in Mississippi. They used another lender, and things didn't work out. And like all of our Boneyard listeners, they sprung into action. Said, hey, listen. I listened to the Boneyard, which is the gospel. And Steve always recommends close at Blair.com, Blair Chandler. So lo and behold, they get a hold of Blair. Guys, in two weeks, we're clear to close. Somebody else couldn't do it. Blair did it. Blair to the rescue. Blair Chandler to the rescue. How, what a cool story that is. So I called Blair. I said, hey, I got this phone call, man. And he goes, oh, dude, it's so crazy. He goes, man, I got, I got the tip. Next thing you know, I'm on the phone. And, hey, here we, we're good. And so, again, Maybe you've had a negative experience with another lender, and maybe it's somebody that really wasn't as motivated to take your unique circumstances and go be your advocate with underwriting. That's what Blair Chandler did. So a success story there. Blair tells me, too, he's got uh, a couple of barnyard loans in the pipeline ready to close now, right? So join your fellow barnyarders when you have your mortgage needs, whether you're looking to refire, buy a home, and go to close at Blair.com. Mention, mention to Blair. You heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. Give him a call or text today, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. All right. Good job, Blair. And, and best of luck to our boneyarders that uh, were able to find some success there. I mean, can you imagine how anxious that is? You know, we've all given a little financially strapped at times. And it's like all of a sudden you can breathe again. 
Blair out there doing uh, superhero work. Okay, so today's top 10 list. So our buddy Gordon Griffin uh, sends a variety of suggestions. And sometimes they require more effort than I can put in at times. But this is one that was right up my alley. Right? So Gordon says, hey, how about debut singles? And you know what, Gordon? I love the topics. We're going to do that today. Top 10 debut singles from rock bands. I'm not doing any rap, and I'll be honest with you this. I read that I could do my research, right, and make sure I'm not missing anybody. Our number one song wasn't even on the Rolling Stone top 100 debut songs. Let that sink in for a second. And that's one of the reasons, like when I was an aspiring journalist in college, I was thinking, you know, one day I want to write for Rolling Stone. And I am so glad now that my name is not associated with that. Because what's happened is Rolling Stone has become a caricature of itself. I don't like their politics anyway. I, I, I think we should keep politics out of, out of music for the most part. But the reality of it is, I look at this list, and it's like, oh, we've got all these hipster doofus bands that didn't sell any records. Oh, this debut single from this band that sold, you know, 15,000 copies. You know, you got people out there selling albums out of the trunk of their car, and you've got their debut single in there, not because it was impactful, but because you know, some editor somewhere liked it. Give me a break, man. Our list, our number one song, the number one greatest debut single, perhaps of all time, was not on the Rolling Stones' top 100 debut singles. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, number 10. This one was on there. Hailing from the great Northeast, one of the great American punk bands of all time. It's the Ramones with Blitzkrieg Bop. That was their debut single. And incredibly, probably the biggest hit. Even though I like Sheena is a punk rocker and I don't want to be buried in Pet Cemetery, they did that song for the Stephen King movie. The Ramones, and uh, I've got some friends that recently told me that they'd seen the Ramones years ago and talk about how you're never going to get a chance to do that again. I have a CBGB shirt because of the Ramones. All right, number nine, a little more modern. And it does, it's not modern, but it's more modern than the Ramones. A band that went on to superstardom. And I remember the first time I heard this, the rock station out of Hattiesburg, I can't remember the name of the station. I was out riding around, I heard this. A couple days later, I went out and bought the CD, and I loved it. It's Oasis with Supersonic. I love Oasis. I love how pretentious they are. I love how uh, Noel and Liam Gallagher are just so over the top with ego. They're rock stars, man. Oasis is incredible. And, of course, many of you got to know them better, you know, with Champagne Supernova and Wonderwall and things like that. But for me, it all started with Supersonic. I love the percussion on that one. Number eight, we're going back to another punk band. We've had the top ten list for them recently, even though their catalog was rather limited. I encourage you, if you hadn't done so, watch the Hulu series Pistol, about the Sex Pistols. And, of course, the lead single. And what better way to open up that irreverent band but Anarchy in the U.K.? It's been covered by everybody. But Anarchy in the U.K., I could even play it on guitar. Steve Jones and I are probably about as specially as skilled at this point in our careers. All right, number seven, this is a little bit lower on the list than some of you will agree. I, I don't think it's their best song. I thought it was a great opener, kind of opened our eyes to what was happening in Seattle. And it's Pearl Jam's Alive. Number seven most significant debut single is Pearl Jam's Alive. And some of you are going to say, but Steve, what about Smells Like Teen Spirit? Well, you know, you know here's the thing. You're, again, you're showing your ignorance there. 
Like all those kids that go to Spencer's Gifts and spend 25 bucks to get a Nirvana shirt and walk around and look cool, you don't know what you're talking about. Smells Like Teen Spirit was not the debut single. It wasn't even the debut album for Nirvana. How about that? All right, number six. And you know, I've got this ahead of Pearl Jam. And part of that's because I see this more as a classic rock thing. A lot of millennials are, are loving Africa by Toto. I don't even think that's in the best top three or four songs from Toto most days. Some days you can convince me otherwise. But I go back to the very beginning, and Steve Lukather, an incredible guitarist. It's Toto's Hold the Line, number six. Love isn't always on time. I love it. The vocal's great. The song still holds up, too. All right, number five. Some people argue this is America's greatest rock band. I think you could make that argument. I don't agree. I probably have them second. But it's the Eagles dropping a, uh, a Glenn Fry song. It's Take It Easy. Did you know that was the debut single, right? Take It Easy. And there were times that, you know, the Eagles were kind of a uh, kind of country at times. And I think the Glenn Fry songs are the better songs. I know you Don Henley fans will message me. I love Don Henley stuff, too. Don't get me wrong. I love the Joe Walsh stuff. I think, I think Glenn Fry was an incredible songwriter. All right, number four, the leader of the greatest power rock trio of all time. I recently had this discussion um, with some friends. We're talking about who's the best trio. We could probably do a top ten list of power rock trios over the years. And so somebody was like, well, I think it's Rush. Well, I think it's Cream. I think it's this person. I was like, you're all wrong. It's the Jimi Hendrix experience. And then everybody's like, dude, you're right. Jimi Hendrix experience, the greatest trio of all time. And we're going with Hey Joe. That, did you know that was the debut single for Jimi? Right? It's incredible. Think about that. All right, number three. Again, one of America's greatest rock bands. I would say certainly in the top ten of a true rock band. They had a sad ending, the debut single from Boston's More Than a Feeling. And that's a song to this day that holds up. The composition of that song is near flawless. The guitar, incredible. The vocal, absolutely impeccable. It is a classic song in every sense of the word. All right, number two, and an interesting story about this one. I believe this is America's greatest rock bands, and I will die on this hill. Their catalog, incredible. Big hits on every album. You know, some albums are filler for a lot of bands. Just kind of rush it out there. And even in their drunken and drug-induced stupor, Aerosmith was able to deliver big hits. Their debut single actually didn't become a big hit until after their second album had been released. It's Dream On. Think about that for a second. Aerosmith, this unknown band out of Boston with Columbia, they dropped a single, nothing happens. They hit the road, selfie records, record a second album, and then because of the strength of the new album, they re-released Dream On, and it ends up being a huge hit. One of the greatest songs written in American music history. Finally, I remember where I was when I heard this song for the very first time. I've shared this story with you in parts before. I had been to North Park Mall. I think we'd been to the movies. You race home and try to watch Headbangers Ball. You watch Headbangers Ball, you stay up late, you're visiting with your friends. And after the show is over, this new video came on. I never heard of this band before. And all of a sudden, I found myself calling MTV to ask him to play the video again. The next day, I went out and bought the cassette and eventually the CD. And I have it on vinyl too, just in case, right? 
We're talking Guns N' Roses, Welcome to the Jungle. A song that changed a lot of things in Music Man. And, and, and let me give you a little context here. So, the West LA, Hollywood type deal. West Hollywood, West Coast scene, everything had kind of become very cookie cutter in many respects. And that reemerged later. But when Guns N' Roses hit the scene, there was an authenticity to them. It's like we used to see these, you know, long-haired pretty boys and, you know, spandex clothes and things like that. And, you know, they would talk tough, but you didn't believe them. But when Guns N' Roses and Axel and Slash and Duff and Izzy and Steven Adler hit the stage, you were scared of them. It's like, I don't want to bump into that guy and say the wrong thing. There was some authenticity with these guys, one of the greatest rock bands of all time. Hopefully we're going to get some new music from them. Of course, they're out touring again. But Welcome to the Jungle took Guns N' Roses from absolute obscurity to superstardom, basically because MTV played it as an overnight to, uh, to appease an A&R guy. There was an A&R guy with Geffen Records that constantly said on MTV, please play these guys, please, please, please. And I think they played him at like 2 in the morning. It was incredible. And at that point, things changed. And Rolling Stone did not include it on their list of top 100 debut singles. Absolutely. Again, it's an indictment on Rolling Stone. You guys are terrible. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Book Mart. Our friends, we love Campus Book Mart. A great group of people doing a great job for a great fan base. Be sure and go check them out when you're in town this weekend. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you some money. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Now, if you're coming to town, the bully shop is now upstairs. Downstairs, just kind of warehousing, kind of employee uh, offices and things like that. So you don't have to walk down the stairs anymore. Everything's upstairs. Wives, listen to me. Your husband will tell you he knows. He doesn't. It's upstairs. Great selection. Great pricing. You're going to be very pleased with what you see in there. It's a much different place. And again, Miss Kathy Brown just doing a fantastic job kind of getting all that together for you guys. So more to choose from, uh, more to select from, as always, at Campus Bookmark. That's campusbookmark.net. Promo code BSR. Okay, let's take a quick look at our schedule. We will have two, two SEC teams in action tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to watching those. Matter of fact, I'll probably cancel chat so I can flip back and forth and enjoy some college football. I didn't get a chance to watch the Missouri, excuse me, the Vanderbilt-Hawaii game. I was on my way back from uh, an event in South Mississippi. So our first game, 6 p.m. kick on the SEC Network, Ball State at Tennessee. Tennessee, a huge favorite in this game. I think Tennessee can be largely vanilla in this game and probably win going away. The line, we talked about it earlier this week. Does Tennessee cover? I don't know. But Tennessee will certainly win this game. I don't think there's any question uh, when you begin to look at that. I mean, you know, I I just think that the Tennessee Volunteers are going to be one of those surprise teams in the SEC this year. I think that's – I don't know that people fully appreciate that. They're not going to challenge for the East, but they're going to be awfully interesting. They're going to be awfully interesting. I like this Tennessee team. Uh, Ball State went 6-7 and last year. Don't know what they returned. They did make the bowl game. They were in the Tax Act Camellia Bowl against Georgia State there in Montgomery. 
and they lose 51 to 20. But a six and six regular season, uh, a season ago. But uh, Tennessee, I-, I think, will have no issues at all with Ball State. Ball State will be fun to watch in the midweek. We love action. All right, the 7 p.m. kick is going to be Louisiana Tech and Missouri. I think this game could be interesting. Missouri is a pretty big favorite in this game. I actually like Tech to cover. Missouri will win, but, you know, that Tech offense, you never know what to expect, but the Missouri defense was just so bad last year. It's like, how could you have any confidence on them covering a big spread? I don't know that you can. I do like Missouri to win. I think Tech probably covers, but – that Missouri team, Eli Drinkwitz, kind of an offensive guru, did a great job the one year at Appalachian State. Uh, and, and Drinkwitz has kind of made some uh, some comments. It's got some people like, who is this guy? You know. Uh, so you'll get those two Thursday night games. We'll open up Saturday morning. 11 a.m. kick, Sam Houston State at Texas A&M. That's also on the SEC Network. So if you're, if you're tailgating, you'll be able to watch that one. That, that'll be a dog of a game before we get to some really good ones there in the afternoon. Uh, no line on the game. A&M should win going away. You could probably pull 11 kids out of the stands at Texas A&M and probably compete against Sam Houston. All due respect uh, to the Bearcats. But uh, I like A&M to win big here, and they should. Number six team in the country hosting at home against an FCS team. Now, the afternoon, a lot of intrigue in the afternoon games. A lot. Oregon, number 11 at Georgia. Number three, Georgia, the defending NAFL champions. That'll be an ABC broadcast and a 2.30 kickoff. I love the game. Now, Georgia lost a lot on defense. They also lost an offensive coordinator in Jim Moorhead. So, uh, some new things there. I just don't think Oregon matches up at all. I think Georgia wins the game and covers here. And Georgia is a considerable favorite considering – Oregon's the number 11 team in the country. I don't know that you're going to be able to properly judge Oregon Oregon based on how they play this weekend. But Georgia at home is always tough. Uh, You know, of course, uh, you know, Stedman's still back under center. They've got an offensive line there that'll be really good. And Kirby's a defensive guru, too. They'll they'll be good to go. It could be a game for a half. I just think that Georgia ground game will, will prove to be too much. The same time on ESPN, a 230 kick. Cincinnati at Arkansas. Now, Arkansas is 19th, Cincinnati's 23rd. And of course, Cincinnati lost a lot from a year ago. Cincinnati made the playoff. Luke Feckel, one of America's best college football coaches. They will be prepared to play. I don't think there's any question. I think this will be an amazing football game. I also think Arkansas's ability to ground and pound will be the difference in the game. K.J. Jefferson has emerged as a star in Fayetteville. I think they feel great about the direction of their program. And Sam Pittman is a guy, too, that, you know, he was an offensive line coach. They're always going to be strong up front. And offensive linemen want to run block. That's what they want to do. They want to fire off the line, move people around. Uh, K.J., a good enough passer to keep linebackers honest and kind of keep guys from getting downhill on him. And, and if you bring those two safeties up, they will take a shot over the top. Now, what do they do without Trillian Burks? It kind of remains to be seen. You don't have that guy out there on the flank, uh, you know, to depend on anymore. But I like Arkansas in the game. I think Arkansas probably covers here. But uh, this could be a really fun game, a really fun game. Now, Troy, 3 p.m. kick at Ole Miss. I I have no expectations here. 
of, of the Trojans to, uh, to make this a game at all. I think Ole Miss, even though there's been a lot of talk about spotty quarterback play there, I think Ole Miss would have to beat themselves. I think Ole Miss has got to go out there and probably just implode in all phases of the game. I think Ole Miss wins this game handily, as they should. That's also an SEC network broadcast. That will come on right after the Sam Houston-Texas A&M game. Uh, but Ole Miss, again, should win handily. And, again, you know, we'll watch that quarterback play. It's a thing. A lot of discussions. I had an NFL scout told me that Luke Altmaier was right there with Jackson Dart. And if it's even, you probably go with Dart. But uh, Luke Altmaier, our Starville High School uh, product, has not, 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 you know, backed away from competition. And uh, there were people talking about the Dent kid might actually be in the mix too. I don't know that I believe that. But um, no matter who plays quarterback, Ole Miss should win this game. And look for Ole Miss – to run the football up more this year. I think that's where their stars are on offense, is in that running game. And they do have some veterans back on the offensive line. Didn't return intact, but uh, they should be in good shape, especially in this ballgame here. Again, the first half of this Ole Miss schedule, very, very easy. Okay, the evening kicks off with an ESPN broadcast of Utah and Florida. I love the matchup. Absolutely love it. I don't know if it was a Dan Mullen decision to play Utah. But I love the fact that Florida and Utah are playing Power 5 opponents head-to-head in Week 1. I love this Utah team. I watched them last year a couple times, saw them in the bowl game. Of course, I am rooting for the uh, Chad Bumpus Express here against the ghost of Dan Mullen. Dan's no longer there. And I think, too, Florida, new schemes on both sides of the football, good personnel. They've obviously recruited pretty well. So it could be an entertaining game. I, I like Utah. Utah now a favorite in this game. I think the last spread I saw was three points. Utah to win and cover here. Florida's going to be good, though. Don't get me wrong. Florida will be an 8-4 and four type team this year. Not great. They'll be good. Miami of Ohio is at Kentucky. Kentucky a big favorite in the game. Kentucky should win this. Miami of Ohio, the Red Hawks, uh, just, you know, you don't expect much from them. If this is a game in the second half, uh, Kentucky's in trouble. I'm not sold on Kentucky, and I think I say that every year, and last year they won 10 games. So it's hard to me for, you know, to, to sit here and, and speak with any authority about how Mark Stoops had done a good job there. He's done an amazing job at Kentucky. I don't think that they're above an 8-4 and four team. I think, that, again, they'll be a solid bowl team, and maybe that's what all they want at Kentucky is, you know, a team that maybe is a solid bowl team every year and occasionally contends in the East. I just don't think they can beat Georgia, and I don't think they can beat Tennessee this year. We'll see what happens in Florida. But I had them as an 8-4 and four team, losing to those three teams and then losing to Mississippi State. Uh, they could beat Ole Miss, though. We'll see. All right, Mercer at Auburn. You know, what, what, come on. Auburn is, is expected to be the worst team in the West and potentially the worst team in the SEC. They named T.J. Finley, former LSU quarterback, as their starter. And we'll see how things go. I mean, you go out and get Zach Calzada from A&M, and now he's running third team, and there's some talk that he might be a little bit nicked up. Nicked up. Uh, the Bears of Mercer have no shot. I mean, R.J. Yeager could probably get out there and make some plays for them. Here's the reality of this, is that Auburn should win this game handily and get off to 1-0. and And so it'll kind of quiet some of the talk about Harson, you know, because we're into the season now. you got to go out and dominate these games. And if Auburn struggles in this game, it's only going to intensify all that talk. Elon at Vanderbilt. I guess one could make an argument Vanderbilt's the best team in the country right now, right? <laughs> they went out there and hung 63. Elon, one step up from the University of Phoenix. They've had some good baseball programs at times, but uh, football-wise, they're not going to be able to compete. Vanderbilt, you know, the bottom of the league 
against a team that uh, even if they were at the top of their league would not be able to match up from a personnel standpoint. I like Mike Wright to run in this game for some big numbers. So Vanderbilt looking to get off to a 2-0 start. Utah State, and it's interesting, Utah State, I mean, it's like you look at their numbers from last year and you're like, hey, you know, these guys are not, aren't, weren't bad, right? They weren't bad. But you get Alabama. You get Alabama right out of the gate. And that's not to say that Utah State's going to be a bad team this year. They went 11-3 and last year. We talked about that a little bit on Monday. Did you, did you realize that? These guys won 11 games last year. They won the Mountain West Conference. So this is a team that's used to winning. They're playing Alabama. There are a lot of teams that come out there with a game plan. And Mike, like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. Alabama will punch them in the mouth. I don't think there's any question. But is it a game for a quarter, quarter and a half, and then Alabama exerts its dominance in the second half? I think so. I think Alabama rolls in this game, though. I really do. I think Alabama is uh, going to be pl- pl- plenty motivated to start the season. And Utah State, despite their success last year, just won't be able to match up. That's an SEC Deadwork game. Uh, Memphis, of course, at Mississippi State, we spoke about that at length. I like State to win, and I'm going to pick State to cover, too. Uh, I know the spread's around 15 or so. We'll probably go down a little bit as we get closer, and people will freak out saying, hey, what's going on? Uh, I just think there are a lot of people out there that don't have a lot of confidence in Mississippi State. We're going to talk about that in in the last segment of the show. Georgia State at South Carolina. I think this could be a better game than people anticipate, but this is the coming of Spencer Rattler. You know, generally the team with the best quarterback wins. It doesn't matter if it's Peewees or the pros. The guy with the better quarterback generally wins the game. Georgia State had a good year last year. We mentioned earlier they won a bowl game this past year. Uh, South Carolina, again, a little bit ahead of schedule. I, I think it's going to be a more difficult year this year. But if Spencer Rattler can catch fire, if he can be the leader they need him to be, could be a better year. I just I don't see him winning more than you know, six or seven games, probably closer to five and seven. I think they're going to struggle – with the big names in the East. Uh, and they may struggle with Vanderbilt, too. Vanderbilt nearly beat them last year. But Georgia State, I think, will make this a competitive game for a half, and then South Carolina will take over there at the end. Now, Sunday, 6.30 kick, we get Florida State and LSU. Neutral side game down in New Orleans, which is basically an LSU home game. It's a great place to go watch a game. That's an ABC broadcast. This one is – it doesn't have the luster maybe it did a couple of years ago or even five years ago. You think, man, Florida State and LSU are going to play a non-conference game. I can't wait to watch it. You know, Florida State 5-7 and seven last year, LSU 6-6 six and six in the regular season, and they get blown out in the ball game because they didn't have any players because guys were opted out and guys were COVID. You know, there's all that kind of stuff going on. LSU with Brian Kelly will be ready to go. I think Mike Norville and those guys are coaching for their job this year. They will come out with some reckless abandon. I just don't think they have the personnel to match up with LSU. I don't think this is a great LSU team. I think this is a very mediocre Florida State team, though. I like LSU to win. Uh, I think the fact that the purple and gold people will have had a couple of hurricanes and Pat O'Brien's before the game, they will be good to go. A lot of juice in the stadium when LSU plays. Doesn't matter if it's home or away. People want to beat LSU, and LSU always seems to have some type of magic in their back pocket when they need it. And so be careful on Bourbon Street, Seminoles. Be very, very careful down there. There's voodoo in the streets. But I like LSU to win. So here are your winners, Tennessee, Missouri, A&M, Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Utah, Kentucky, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Alabama, 
Mississippi State, South Carolina, LSU. So the only team we have dropping a game in the conference uh, this, this weekend is Florida. And, again, I think Billy Napier's guys are going to be okay. I just think they've just bit off a little more than they can chew uh, here in week one. And uh, next week's going to be a fun week, too. You know, it's like this week is a fun week because it's the first week, right? You look at next week real quickly, man, there are some really intriguing games next week. Alabama's at Texas, South Carolina's at Arkansas, Wake Forest is at Vanderbilt, and the Commodores could be going 3-0. Missouri is at Kansas State. What a cool game that could be. App State at A&M. Tennessee's at Pitt, Sanford's at Georgia, eh. Kentucky's at Florida, Central Arkansas at Ole Miss, that's a, that's a laugher, San Jose State at Auburn, Southern at LSU, and then Mississippi State at Arizona. So next week, a really good game uh, to watch football. So that gives me a programming note for next week. Uh, after I record the Wednesday show, I'm going to start to drive to Arizona. Say, so Steve, you're driving? Yes, I am. I'm going to make some stops along the way. I'm going to take a couple days away from the computer and all the uh, rock show planning, I'm just going to take a couple days, kind of get my mind straight. I didn't get to take a vacation this year, so I'm going to get out and go see some things. Uh, I'm going to go see the, uh, the grave of Billy the Kid and things like that. But I will bring my equipment with me, and I will record the Friday show probably somewhere in New Mexico. How about that? And so, and then we'll go down and cover the game on Saturday, and then we'll start to drive back on Sunday. So I'm, I'm eager to get out there. I've been out west before. But I haven't had, like, time. You know, I've just been passing through. But I'm going to take a couple days and get out and go see some things uh, and kind of get excited about that. So after Wednesday's show, and I'll remind you, I'll be leaving. So I probably won't be around the message boards or, or social media much on Wednesday and Thursday. I'll get caught up Wednesday night. I'll probably get somewhere, um, you know, out there in West Oklahoma and spend the night and get up and finish the drive on uh, – on Thursday, but then uh, Thursday night or Friday morning, we'll record a show for you. And uh, so you're not going to miss shows. And then I'll be back Sunday night. We'll have a Monday show and I'll recap our trip to Arizona, hopefully a win. So just be mindful of that next week as uh, if you're looking for me, there's a good chance that you're going to have to kind of work hard to find me. All right. Final segment of the show brought to you uh, by Portico. Pretty cool stuff, right? Portico. If I was moving to Starkville now, this is where I'd move. It is a great little community out there. You don't have these big yards you got to cut, you know, so that, and that's, that's, a, that's a selling point for me, for sure. Uh, I think it's important to kind of understand that. But uh, the reality of it is, is that many of you have thought about making Starkville your home, whether it be part-time, full-time. Maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat. Maybe it's a, um, Maybe it's your retirement home. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I'd love to be able to live kind of in the uh, shadows of the Mississippi State campus and be close and be able to go to everything, go to baseball games and women's games and softball, everything. You'd be able to do it all. I mean, that's what our lives kind of revolve around here in Starkville. Between your kids' sports, it's Mississippi State sports. There's always something to do. So maybe you're thinking about that. Let me encourage you to reach out to Brooks Bryan. My friend, your friend, a friend of Mississippi State. I love Brooks. Brooks loves you. Brooks loves me. We're all one big family. 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. Brooks, part of this great group of individuals bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Go by and check it out when you're in town. You turn off of 82 on 12, like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go to the four-way stop, and then Boomer's Portico right there on the right. You take a turn. Just go, go see for yourself, and you'll see how great the construction is how well-designed the neighborhood is. You'll be glad you went there and checked it out. And once you see it, you're going to think, you know what? 
We've always talked about it. Let's do it. Let's just go ahead and do it. Make Portico your next move. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about expectations for the season. I think I've shared that with you guys several times. You know, my expectations for the season is I think we're a very solid bowl team. How good a bowl team will depend on how we handle the toss-up games. If we do a good job in the toss-up games and we win more than we lose, good chance we end up in Florida for Christmas. How'd that be, right? That'd be, that'd be super cool. But there are a lot of people out there that just don't share our enthusiasm. Now, some of that is because we are kind of conditioned to be a little more optimistic about our teams. Some of that is because of the fact that people don't do their homework. We are a veteran team this year. We have a lot of SEC snaps under our belt. And, uh, you know, Brian Haydad is my friend. And Brian makes this point regularly on his show and on, on, on Sports Talk Mississippi about how is it really out-of-the-box thinking to think a team that returns this many starters could win one more game than they did a year ago? I, I say no. And it's conceivable we could win a couple more games this year. You could, win, you could potentially win nine this year. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, we could drop a game, too. But I think when you look at our schedule, and yes, we trade Vanderbilt for Georgia, it's really not different than what we do most years. And it's important for us to go out there and handle our business at Arizona. Yeah, and certainly we've got a game against Memphis this weekend that is, you know, that's a losable game. If, if we do what we did last year, if we gift them two touchdowns, and we did one of those that the officials had a big hand in. You give a team like Memphis, it's a good G5 team, you give them 14 points, you're going to be in a dogfight. Now, I believe that our team, even though Mike Leach plays that stuff down and the players will never say it publicly, I think they want to make a statement this weekend. And I think this will be a bit of a barometer about our team this year. If we go out there and play that game like the Louisiana Tech game last year, I think maybe we've overvalued this team. Now, if we go out there and we handle business, you know, and, and you know, win three, four scores, then I think we can get really, really excited. But I think probably the more objective Mississippi State man figures we're going to win this game you know, a couple touchdowns or so. And that's around what the line is. You know, maybe we win the game 31-17 or, you know, something like that. I think that we're going to be able to score a little bit more than that. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that you can't make a lot of snap judgments about a team after week one. That said, based on our experience and the fact that Memphis is in transition in many respects, they've got good culture up there. They're going to come out ready to play. I don't think there's any question. But Mississippi State doesn't need to win this game 35-34. We need to go out there and take charge early. And I mentioned that earlier in the show, how important it is to get off to a good start. When we win the first quarter, we generally win. When we lose the first quarter, we generally lose. And one of those uh, games that we came back to win, of course, required the greatest comeback in the history of the program. I don't want to see that. We saw two, the two most historic comebacks in school history in one season last year. I hope to never see it again the rest of my life because my hope is we never get that far down to a team. And it's like, hey, you can never give up on Mississippi State. But my hope is that we can have more of a sense of urgency. You know, I know that Mike Leach likes to run some things early in the first quarter. You go out there and script some plays to see how they're kind of planning to defend you. And when you've got new coordinators – you can go watch film from other programs, but the reality of it is the personnel doesn't always line up. And so you got to go out there and kind of run some dummy stuff and kind of figure out what they want to do, and then you know how to attack it. 
if Mississippi State can go down and score on the first drive, that'd be absolutely huge for us. I believe in this defense. I believe you guys are going to believe in this defense. I think it's the best defense we've had since 18. Now, I don't think we've got three first-round picks on this defense, but I think we do have some future pro players out here, and we're going to get after some people. I think that is probably the one thing you can rest assured in. Defensively, we are an improved group. There were times last year in practice you'd have busts, and you'd have more busts. And then more busts. And, yeah, have there been some busts this year? Absolutely. I mean, when you're playing young players and moving guys around, you're going to have some of that. But there have been much fewer of those. There is also this confidence and an esprit de corps among this defense that I don't know that existed last year. They really cheer for each other. It doesn't matter if it's first team, second team, the bandits, the scout team, whatever. If the defense makes a play, everybody on defense responds, and then they talk trash about it, right? There is an edge with this group that I don't think existed last year. And I think part of it last year is we lose Jordan Davis for the year in fall camp, and then we've got to to do some musical chairs last year. But Jordan Davis, too, everybody understood who he is and what he could do. And all of a sudden, everybody else had to kind of strap it up and get a little more serious about their jobs. And then you begin to think about, you know, our safety play. I mean, it was, it was terrible in 2020. It was terrible. And last year it was better, but it wasn't good. This year you go out and you work the portal and you get Jack Matthews, and, and, I, and we're better. I think he is a difference maker for us. And we, we talked about him on the show consistently. But the thing that I would say is, like, all these other people out here are saying, well, Mississippi State is going to go 6-6. Six and six. And let me share with you this. Uh, none of those people have been to a practice. Zero. Zero. They hadn't been to a practice. They didn't come in the spring. They hadn't been out there in the fall. But they want you to take them seriously. I hadn't been to anybody else's uh, fall practices either, so I don't know exactly what they have. You know, we're all just kind of picking games. But I, I say that not to, to throw a shot at them, but to tell you at the end of the day we're all just kind of guessing based on what people have returning our, our picks are really not educated guesses other than the teams that we're covering. I think the reality of it is is that you know, because of the fact that we have seen this team improve at some positions of need, there is a lot of confidence. And again, I don't think we're going to contend for the West. I think we're a very solid bowl team. I think we take another step forward. I think Will Rogers will kind of demand that of himself and the people around him. Will is a great leader. He's a fantastic leader. And I think it's important to kind of understand that. Leadership and culture matter in college athletics. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, what you're trying to accomplish. If you don't have good leadership, you don't have good culture, you're not going to win. You're not going to be able to out-athlete people and win a lot of games. You can get by a couple Saturdays with that, but at some point you're going to face some adversity. And I think we saw that last year with Will Rogers. I mean, how many times last year? I mean, think about the Louisiana Tech and the Auburn game. We could have simply just said, you know what, it's not our day. But we didn't, and a lot of that starts with Will Rogers. And it continues with Emmanuel Forbes and Jet Johnson and Buki Watson. You know, there's some guys out there that are like, hey, we're not going to give up, and we're going to play the last snap. And, I, you know, lost in that big comeback against Auburn is the adjustments we made on defense. We couldn't stop them in the first half. And then Zach Arnett's group absolutely destroyed him in the second half. And you say, well, some of that had to do with Bo Nix getting hurt. Yeah, that's right. That's right, because we began to put pressure on the quarterback. We'd be able to be able to touch the quarterback 
It's incredible how you impact the game when you make a quarterback uncomfortable. And I don't just mean you know, mentally. You get out there and you put a little pressure on him, get him on the ground a couple times, and next thing you know, you've got some guys out there that uh, begin thinking, hey, let's keep these guys off the quarterback. You know, there is an emotional lift when you can put hands on the quarterback, even if you can't put him down. That's why everybody responds the way that they do. We should be better at pass rush this year because I think we're going to be better at coverage and all that kind of works together. I don't think we'll have to cover as long because our, our pass rush is going to be better. And I think when we do uh, have to cover, I think we're going to be able to generate some coverage sacks. And so I'm eager to see what Zach Arnett dials up, especially when you look at Tim, Tim Cramsey's comments about you know, kind of getting the ball out early and kind of getting these little small, small four- and five-yard gains on first down. So, do you squat? Do you bring those guys up and do you press? You know, uh, that kind of remains to be seen. But I think it's important to understand here as we get ready to play a college football game in, in just over three days is that this is the best group of personnel that we have had defensively since Mississippi State hired Mike Leach. And Zach Garnett is a guy that has aspirations of one day being a head coach. And so, this is not – a guy that's going through the motions. He's trying to elevate his own brand. And in the process of that, he's going to win you a lot of games. And so I think it's important to kind of understand that. But, you know, you can you can run through the list here. Let, let, let's look at what CBS did. That's our parent company. And uh, I don't agree with all these folks, but um, I'll share with you the CBS expert picks, right? All right, so they started with most overrated team. So a handful of people here said it's A&M, said A&M. I don't know that that's accurate. I think A&M is going to be pretty good this year. A couple people said Tennessee. You know, AP voters have volunteers as 26 team in the country. Coaches aren't far behind. That's aggressive for a team that still has a long way to go defensively, and that's probably true. I think when you look at the scope of everything in the conference, though, you begin to realize, too, that they're going to benefit from playing in the East. It's interesting, David Cobb says that Ole Miss is the most overrated team in the conference. And uh, Dave, I, I tend to agree. Here's what David Cobb had to say. Lane Kiffin's Portal King nickname is accurate, but not even the nation's number two transfer class can replace what the Rebels lost with quarterback Matt Corral, offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby, and defensive coordinator DJ Durkin. Corral was a sold last year's 10-3 last year's and three team. And the staff turnover will cap what this team can accomplish in the sports deepest division. An easy non-conference slate plus the annual game with Vanderbilt make it a relatively simple uh, to project bowl eligibility for Ole Miss, but this team will take a step back. I, I think that is a very accurate portrayal. And also, too, that when you look at the, like these transfer class rankings, like it's based on quantity over quality. Well, if, you, if you're going to go out and get 15 guys in the portal, well, yeah, your portal ranking is going to be higher. But when you begin to look at the totality of things, is that the way to do, fo- to do football? Also overrated, Jerry Palm says LSU. He's LSU, most overrated team. I think LSU's probably about right. Most underrated team, Cobb says Florida. He says Florida's not getting enough love, and, and he may be right. Billy Napier is a really good offensive-minded coach. But I think this year they're going to they're gonna do well, but they're, gonna, they're not going to be elite. Dennis Dodd says Tennessee is the most underrated team. You had some people earlier saying they're overrated. He says they're underrated. And this is interesting. You'll laugh at this. Uh, 
Cobb says Ole Miss overrated. He who should not be named says they're underrated. Uh, too much has been made of the absence of Corral and not enough has been made of the upgraded running back score versus the receivers, tight ends, and a quarterback situation that at the very least is stable. What, the, what, what, what you're really telling me is you don't know. You have no clue what's going on. With Kiffin at the helm, that stability transforming into excellence is more likely than not. Completely disagree. Nobody in the country replaces both coordinators, loses a uh, professional quarterback in Matt Corral, not to mention has to re- completely retool the running back room and gets better. I don't care what the defense looks like on a consistent basis. Well, of course not, because Ole Miss is going to click in a big way against pretty much every team it faces. Uh, bookmark that. Uh, Patterson says LSU is underrated, and uh, Tom Fernelli says Mississippi State is underrated. And let me read you his comments. And again, you can find this at CBS Sports. Fernelli says, has any SEC program flown further under the radar this offseason than Mike Leach's Mississippi State? We're talking about a Bulldog team that returns a veteran quarterback familiar with all the ins and outs of Leach's playbook and nearly all the production from a defense that was better than most realized last season. The Bulldogs are going to pull off at least one major upset and finish higher in the SEC West than most expect. I think uh, Tom is right. And then Jerry Palm says Kentucky's underrated. I, I think – how is that even possible? How, how, how can Kentucky ever be underrated when there is this love affair in the media? So let me read you the hot takes from the CBS article. Some you'll agree with, some you won't. But here are the hot takes from the CBS Sports crew. Dennis Dodd says Mark Stoops will win 10 at Kentucky, and then he will leave and go to Auburn. Interesting. Tom Fernelli says every team in the SEC West will go bowling, but only Alabama at A&M will win more than eight games during a regular season. I agree with that too. Tom, I absolutely agree with you. Chip Patterson says Vanderbilt will hit its over-under win total by the end of September. That's a possibility too. It could be 3-1. and one. It could be 4-0. And, of course, uh, he who should not be named, Ole Miss will run the table during the first two months of the season. The Rebels will hit a bye week on November 5th with a battle against undefeated Alabama looming on November 12th. If they can spring the upset, haven't we already had this before? Coach Lane Kiffin's squad could make a legit push for the college football playoff. Oh, my gosh. It's like Yancey Porter wrote that. All right. Uh, Sheehan – I'm sorry. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Gerard – Jerry J. After an overwhelming divisional favorites, Alabama and Georgia, no other SEC squad finds their way into the postseason top ten. Uh, maybe. I don't know about that. Dave Cobb says year one of the Brian Kelly experiment will go poorly as the ex-Notre Dame coach experiences the nation's toughest division for the first time. Tigers will miss a bowl game but finish with a top ten signing class. I don't know that I agree with that. I think, they, I think they'll find a way to get to 500. I don't think there's any question. Jerry Palm, the SEC will put two teams in the college football playoff again this season and have a third team in the top six. Well, that's pretty much the case every year. All right, the predicted order of finish. Let's see who we should go with. So, Dennis, I guess let's just skip to the West. Let's talk about what we're doing, okay? What's, what's happening with us? What is everybody projecting for Mississippi State? All right, Dennis Dodd has Alabama, A&M, LSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss fifth, Auburn 6, Mississippi State 7th. That's a joke. Tom Fernelli has Mississippi State picked 4th. That's probably a 4th or 5th. Chip Patterson has State picked 4th. 
he who should not be named, of course, has Mississippi State picked last. Uh, Sheehan has Mississippi State picked fifth. David Cobb has Mississippi State picked fourth. Jerry Palm, Mississippi State picked sixth. So most everybody has this middle of the West. Of course, you know, uh, it's just so stupid. Um, but the reality of it is, is that uh, I think some people, and you would think we would graduate from this. You know, it's like it's we aspire as people. It's, it's maybe we would just kind of stop trolling people. It's like I'm going to say positive things about Ole Miss and negative things about Mississippi State every year. I'm, I'm going to do it every year, right? Well, I'm a Mississippi State guy, right? And so that's kind of what we do, right? Now, I was fair last year. I told Joe Miss is a better team than us. We gave Ole Miss credit for winning an AFL championship. But let's not get crazy with this stuff, man. It's all stupid. Um, but I wanted to give you a sampling because I think it's important to understand that at the end of the day, everybody's guessing. But also of note that there is a wide range of opinions outside of Alabama winning the West because I think it is absolutely wide open after that. I do think A&M is a really good team. I think it's a big game for us. And I think our season hinges on what is our record between Arkansas – Texas A&M and Kentucky. If we can find a way to win two of those three, it's going to be a really good year. If we don't, it's going to be an average year. We're still going to be a bowl team, but the reality of it is, is those three games, I think, define the season. I think we all probably realize that Alabama and Georgia are probably the closest thing to a sure loss. And, you know, Georgia coming in here, you know, we'll see. We did a good job against them last time, but, uh, you know, we'll see. But outside of that, it is, it's wide open in the West – you know, for us to make a move. And when that's the case, the veteran teams generally win. You know, Arkansas lost a lot last year. They were a veteran team last year. Ole Miss, a veteran team last year. They had a chance to kind of take a step up. Auburn struggled. We had some challenges at times, but we were better than a year ago. But this is a year for us, I think, to really take a step forward in the West. And maybe it's short-lived. But I think we certainly have a chance to finish, you know, around fourth, maybe fifth. I think these people that voted a sixth and seventh are just people that just sim- simply didn't do their homework or simply have an axe to grind when it comes to Mississippi State. Uh, so I think it's important to kind of understand that as we move forward. What's going to happen is when we win some games early on and we show some flash, people are going like, hey, well, look at this. Well, you know, hey, that's what we were telling you two months ago, idiot. There's a lot of that out there. It's like, hey, I'm just going to do this because I know, I know how Mississippi State people are going to respond on Twitter. Stop, stop giving these people attention. I mean, it, you know, we talk about it on the show sometimes just to kind of provide some context. But, you know, there are some people that are never going to like us. And there are some teams that we're never going to like. And you know what? All that's perfectly okay. And here's at the end of the day, too, none of that stuff matters on the field. It's like all these preseason prognostications, it's just stuff to talk about. It doesn't mean anything to anybody. It's just something to talk about. So be mindful of that as we move forward. And because there will be people like when we win a few games or maybe we beat it, win a game that we shouldn't or whatever, then you'll be tempted to go tweet at these people because it feels good to remind them of their idiocy, right? I'm going to ask you not to do that because I think we should act like we expect to win. 
I think we should kind of carry ourselves. It's like, you know, why would I be out here celebrating in the streets when we beat Texas A&M again, right? I've said this a few times before. There are a lot of people who cover sports who don't know sports. And, yeah, maybe somebody makes those arguments about me. I mean, I'm, maybe a lot of people know more than I do about sports. But, you know, here's the thing that I'd point out to you, too. You know, the last, you know, let's look here. What was this? Last eight games. I guess you can even go back as far as ten. The last ten games between Auburn and Mississippi State, you know what our record is against them? It's five and five. But according to the SEC media over and over again, they'll tell you, well, you know, Auburn's a better program than Mississippi State. We're five and five in the last ten against them. Five and five. I wonder how many people in the SEC media know that. I wonder how many of them did their research. It's like, oh, no, you know, Mississippi State. It's just Mississippi State, right? You know what our record is in the last 10 against Arkansas? And a lot of people would tell you Arkansas is a better program than Mississippi State. You want to take a stab at it? It's 7-3. and three. Mississippi State, 7-3 and three against Arkansas in the last 10 years. wonder how many people in the SEC media have kept up with that. What do you think? And, of course, there's, you know, this for some reason that we've got this media darling thing, you know, with Kentucky. Mississippi State actually leads all-time series against Kentucky, 25-24. What how many people knew that? Let's go back. And you, know, you start looking at this stuff. Do you know what state's record is against Kentucky in the last 10 years? What would you guess? It's 7-3. and three. And so what do we need to do to get some respect? Not that it's worth a whole lot, but we talk about these toss-ups. We talk about these games. We talk about all these teams that we play. And I just think that, you know, hey, maybe some people are kind of fine, you know, with us just kind of slipping under the radar. And at the end of the day, what matters most is you win. Let's throw in one more. Let's look at A&M. State's 8-7 and overall against A&M. In the last 10 years, that series is 5-5. and and State has won four of the last six in the series. And in one of those years that we lost, A&M should have been in a playoff. And so, again, I, I look at this and I begin to ask myself, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? People don't do their homework. So those are four teams that people talk about and they look at and they say, well, you know, the Mississippi State is not on that level. Well, how are you judging us? How are you evaluating if it's not the outcome of games? Maybe you, maybe it's your own personal power rankings. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe you're right. You know, if we talk about the Ole Miss thing, and you know, last year really stung, you know, but the last 10 years were four and six against Ole Miss. But you had to hear other people talk, you know, because Lane Kiffin gets on Twitter and he's cute and he says funny things and stuff like that. Uh, I guess that's not true. Yeah, yeah we're six and four and six. But this, this, the perception does not match reality when it comes to our football program. And, and think about the fact that, you know, you know we had a couple you know, difficult years, and then we're still right there with our SEC contemporaries. We're right there, have a winning record against most of them in the last decade. And so – Poke your chest out a little bit and pretend you, you know something that they don't know. Because these people that are forecasting failure for Mississippi State don't know Mississippi State, and it's apparent they don't know the recent history 
in these uh, series against teams that are considered to be our contemporaries. All right, if you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get signed copies of Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains, as well as Dog Problems, Voliander, available on sale right now at Amazon.com. Go be sure and check it out. Maybe order it for your wife. Give it to her as a gift. You'll be glad you did. Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. And again, let me encourage you to, if you hadn't bought your tickets for the Lillian Axe Show, encourage you to go do that. Even if you want to buy them and gift them, and you can email them to me, and I'll make sure they get it in the hands of Mississippi State students. And uh, we've already had a couple people step up and say, hey, Steve, I guess maybe I've got a dozen of them so far. Uh, said, hey, we want to buy tickets. We want to support the show and support the endeavor and support the initiative and, and support Mississippi State. You can do that too. And I'll make sure that those tickets get used and we'll have a good time. It's your expense. Uh, be sure to visit eventbrite.com or you can find a link on all my social media stuff. That's it for today, guys. We'll be back on Friday and we'll talk a couple SEC football games and we'll look ahead for the weekend. And uh, you never know what's going to come up between now and then. We'll be, we'll be eager to talk some sports. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.